0: We're near the end of the NFL season and it's time to start looking at the 2023 draft prospects. Welcome to The Breakout, I'm Abhi Gupta and I'm here to walk you through the prospects for the 2023 draft, specifically the position that's the most important for the NFL, quarterbacks. You've heard a lot of hype around certain prospects, but every year there are a couple prospects that you probably haven't heard of, and for those of you who are playing fantasy, knowing about them earlier on will be able to help you in your fantasy drafts. Or if you're just a fanatic, you're going to be able to know who your team is bringing into their quarterback room for the future. I'm your host, Abhi Gupta. Make sure to like this video and subscribe to The Breakout so that you don't miss our other player breakdowns or our NFL shorts, which cover hot topics in the NFL today. With that. Let's get started. Every year, I do a position breakdown on the prospects for each position in the upcoming NFL draft. Quarterbacks are generally the most interesting for me to explore because, well, quarterbacks come in all different forms, sizes, experiences, whatever. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks like Peyton Manning historically, who, you know, you knew just kind of out of the gate that they were going to be amazing quarterbacks once they were drafted into the NFL. We've seen more recent quarterbacks like Justin Fields, who had to kind of bounce around at Georgia, then went to Ohio State, then had to cement himself at Ohio State for a couple of years, come into the NFL, and then really continue to develop his skill set. And then we have quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, who did effectively nothing for three years of their career and then eventually got the chance to start. And then at a very older age, were able to pop, have a historic season and then have a really good NFL career up to this point. When we are looking at quarterbacks, there's not as easily identifiable a script around which types of quarterbacks are going to succeed. However, what I really like to focus on are what are the pieces of information that we have today about that quarterback. Maybe it's their presence in the pocket. Maybe it's how they behave when it comes down to crunch time. Maybe it's just a mentality. Maybe it's a track record of long success. Each and every quarterback has a selection of information that can really help us understand who they are as players and who they can become when they come to the NFL. In fact, doing these breakdowns before the NFL draft actually occurs will really be able to hold us true to whether or not these quarterbacks are going to succeed in the environments that they end up in. My biggest uh, take that I had a couple of years ago was that Zach Wilson was not going to pan out and he was going to be an extremely high risk pick. Well, lo and behold, we're a couple of days removed from Zach Wilson effectively having his time with the Jets ended because he didn't materialize to be the quarterback that we wanted him to be. And we had those signals back at BYU, but we were really enamored by his off-platform throwing ability a la Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You've, You've heard the whole thing. But when you look at a quarterback like Zach Wilson, he did perform really well in that 2020 season, but we have some information around there around the scheme that he was running. Uh, how long he was effective in that scheme, uh, what he looked like when he wasn't running that scheme in the year before, and also the quality of the opponents that he was facing. He just didn't have the track record that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields have. And so all of this is to say that when we look at the quarterbacks for this draft analysis, I I think that there's a lot that we can take from the quarterbacks that they are today. Let's begin with the honorable mentions. Quarterback from Stanford, Tanner McKee. Now Tanner McKee has started for the Cardinal ever since Davis Mills left and was drafted by the Houston Texans. And McKee has really just taken on the role that Davis Mills played in that offense run by David Shaw. He is that prototypical quarterback you know, who's really tall, 6'6", 230 pounds, and is a traditional pocket passer. He plays the game at more of a mental level, kind of like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning, doesn't really have that rushing ability, and that's demonstrated by his stats. Take a look at his stats last year, 15 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and about 2,300 passing yards. While this season he had 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and almost 3,000 passing yards. Nothing to really cry home about, but overall a pretty decent quarterback. Just like Davis Mills, people really like Tanner McKee because he's just a really good pure passer. In that offense for Stanford, McKee operated like a deep mesh RPO type of system and he looked pretty good running it. Again, his numbers aren't astounding, but what we did see is that he is able to deliver the ball quite consistently, quite confidently, and is one of those prototypical quarterbacks that you can grab in one of the later rounds, have him develop under you know a four-year contract, behind a veteran quarterback and before you know it he's a really really good backup I think that he's someone that you should watch out for because he is probably going to start in those injury weeks in the middle of the season when a quarterback could really help out a team and you know it's clear you know looking at how the NFL has played out this past season uh, almost every team has had some form of a quarterback injury and has had to have a backup start and so with that Tanner McKee is someone that you should have on your list. Next on my list is Cam Rising, quarterback for the Utah Utes. Cam Rising started his college career at Texas before transferring over to Utah. And while he was injured in his lone start in 2020, uh, he did end up having a pretty good last year and this year. Taking a look at his stats, in 2021, Cam Rising threw for about a 64% completion rate, about 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. This year, he's passed for 66% completion rate, about 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And he has rushing upside. In the last two years, he's rushed for over 400 yards and six touchdowns each of those years. So he's a quarterback who has mobility, has a little bit of moxie, all those you know traditional things. Cam Rising really demonstrates a lot of good accuracy and touch. He has the ability to be um, a light dual threat quarterback in the sense that he has mobility. He's no Justin Fields or Lamar, obviously. But I think Utah's scheme really does set him up to perform well in a pro style offense and operate it you know, in a way where he does have accuracy and touch that will be able to allow him to have meaningful starts the NFL. When you look at the type of throws that Cam Rising makes in this offense, it's a lot of methodical, thinking through, making your reads type of throws, and I think that he's a good decision maker. And overall, you know, Cam Rising is someone who, again, has enough of the vertical passing ability and the ability to scramble, at least within the pocket, that will give him the opportunity to perform to some extent in the NFL, and I think you should keep your eyes out for him. Next on my list is Jake Hayner quarterback for the Fresno State Bulldogs. Hainer started off in Washington, but wasn't able to beat out Jacob Eason for the starting role, and so immediately transferred to Fresno State. Now he's been there for the last three years, he has started from 2020 onwards, uh, but he's really come on in the last two years. So in 2020 he had a modest season, about 2,000 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. 2021, about 67% completion rate, 4,000 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. And then this season, a bit of a different type of performance, increased his completion rate to 72%, only through for about 3,000 yards, so dipped there by 1,000 yards, and only through 20 touchdowns, but only through 3 interceptions. So in 2021 he was more of a prolific passer but in 2022 he has kind of regressed but he's been more accurate in the throws that he has been making now people are definitely concerned with jay kaner's size i mean if you look at him he's 6'1 200 pounds this is definitely not Tanner McKee he's not huge in that same realm Um, however that hasn't stopped him from performing at least you know in the conference that he does play in Hayner is able to throw the ball pretty decently his arm strength is quite average however when you take a look at the type of throws that he's making when he's releasing the ball he has a bit of a compact release and what that allows him to do is throw the ball with anticipation many times the ball is leaving his hands before before the the receiver has actually made a break in their route which means that he's anticipating the types of throws anticipating the route and making sure that the ball arrives at the right time at the right place and that's the type of stuff that NFL teams are looking for for strong signals from quarterbacks now I particularly like the fact that he has started for three years that is good information however he has been able to do so and demonstrate you know, different types of competencies in his offense. As mentioned last year, blowing up for, you know, almost for a little bit over 4,000 passing yards, but this season having less opportunity, but yet improving his accuracy, which is really all an NFL team can ask for. I can see teams being concerned about his age uh, and his undersizedness, but overall, Hayner could be a good stash for any team or for any of you dynasty players out there. My final honorable mention is Quarterback for TCU, Max Duggan. Now this one might get me in trouble with you Horn Frog fans out there. Uh, and that's because you're going to tell me, hey man, like he led his team to nearly an undefeated season, uh, nearly or actually an undefeated regular season. And he has his team in prime position to actually win a playoff game and maybe even win the natty but what I'm looking for is how that TCU offense is designed and what Max Duggan is doing well and what he's not really doing that great at. So looking at the statistics and just the measurables, he's 6'2", 2'10", you know, slightly undersized, but okay, we're fine. He's started for the last four years, so he has a long track record of success. His completion percentage has increased every single year that he's played, 53% to 61% to 64% to 65%. His passing yards are all the way up to 3300 this season, and he's thrown for 30 touchdowns and four interceptions this season. I think overall Max Duggan has a body of work that would give an NFL team the confidence to make him a day two or a day three pick, but not a day one pick. And the reason for that is this. Duggan relies on his athleticism in order to make the plays happen in that TCU offense. However, the TCU offense is designed So that wide receivers are able to have yards after catch it's not an offense where you're trying to scheme open a receiver and make sure that there's a tight window throw where you can get the ball No instead a lot of the offense is designed so that receivers can get the ball and then be able to generate yards after the catch think you know even short screens or, or, or something of that nature Now, what we see with Max Duggan is that in in those types of throws, you want to be able to throw the ball into places where the receiver is going to be able to catch it, keep their momentum and keep going. But he doesn't always hit those windows. In fact, most of the time, Max Duggan ends up missing that window, throwing high or low, causing that receiver to still be able to catch the ball, but halting or losing a lot of the momentum that that offense is designed to give them. And when you're a college quarterback, your athleticism and And your ability to get the ball to the right place roughly is generally good enough to be an effective offense. But in the NFL, missing those windows are literally the difference between completions and interceptions. And I think that that's something to be considered when you're talking about a four-year starter uh, like Max Duggan. His athleticism has allowed him to be able to run the ball effectively in that offense as well, and I think that for him to become a next-level quarterback at the NFL level, he'll need to develop more accuracy and be able to work on the footwork to deliver the ball consistently in the right windows for him to become a pretty good starter but right now he's not there he's still quite raw. and now we get to my top five number five Hendon Hooker quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers Hendon Hooker has really really blown up this season marqueed by his win against Alabama earlier in the season and that very very crazy 52 to 49 win uh, and a couple other marquee wins until you know Tennessee faltered down the stretch and eventually Hendon Hooker unfortunately tore his ACL However, if we take a look at his measurables and some advanced stats, Hendon Hooker is a bit of an interesting prospect. Hendon Hooker was at Virginia Tech for three years before transferring to Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers in 2021. And while he did have a little bit of trouble getting that job, he did eventually become the starter, and Hendon Hooker has performed and blew up again this year. Taking a look at his 2021 season, he completed 68% of his passes for nearly 3,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 3 interceptions in 2021. And then this year, grew up to 70% completion rate, 3,100 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, and two interceptions. And... In both years, he's had over 400 rushing yards, last year 620, this year 430. So this guy has the ability to run and this guy has the ability to throw, and that's been demonstrated by all of the things that you've seen in his marquee SEC games. He is performing against really good talent, however, I think what I'm concerned about with Hendon Hooker is this. He has been able to put up really good statistics against the SEC, and I think some of the advanced stats are able to show us this. He has a 20% rush yard share, which indicates that he accounts for one-fifth of his team's entire rushing offense, which validates that dual-threat ability. His adjusted yards per attempt is 10.9, which is in the 90th percentile of QBs, and that means that you know a lot of his throws are effective, uh, and this metric is weighted against touchdowns and interceptions, and by nature of the fact that he only threw five interceptions across this and last season, uh, he he's a very effective thrower. He has an EPA per play of 0.47, which is in the 82nd percentile, and he has a QBR of 90. So overall, those advanced statistics show us that Hendon, Hendon Hooker is a pretty decent quarterback. Where I'm concerned about Hendon Hooker is his performance in the offense that he is running. Hendon Hooker operates in a vertical spread tempo offense, which really is an offense designed to spread receivers out on the field and be able to provide Hendon Hooker the ability to, you know, pick the routes that he wants those receivers to run and almost predetermine those passes that he's going to throw. And so what that'll end up doing is, you know, uh, you you heard this criticism of Justin Fields, where he doesn't go beyond his first read very often. And this is a criticism of Hendon Hooker as well, because a lot of the receiver uh, formations that you see in the NFL require you to pick at and uh, uh, manipulate a specific cornerback or a specific DB or a specific position player, and then make the read give the alignment of the players on that given part of the field and so you're not just going to have a predetermined receiver you're going to throw to because those uh, NFL defenses if they know that you're going to do your first read they're going to then stack it so that it's difficult for you to be able to progress to that second read and throw there and so when you take a look like uh, take a look at a quarterback like Hendon hooker it, it does make you feel a little nervous about his ability to operate an offense like an NFL style pro style offense where you you need to be able to go to your second, third, and fourth reads in order to be an effective quarterback. And when you have a space manufacturing-based Offense, either you need to end up in a system where the offensive coordinator or the head coach is going to allow you to run that kind of offense, or you need to demonstrate an ability um, or or take your licks effectively in developing the ability to to read beyond the first read. I think that when we look at Hendon Hooker, he is a bit of a project. However, a lot of teams are also going to be considering the fact that he's going to be 25 entering his rookie season off of a torn ACL. I know that a lot of Tennessee fans view Hendon Hooker as like a top tier quarterback and I don't disagree with you from the college perspective however when you take a look at the fact that he's going to be approaching 25 that he needs to develop the ability to go beyond his first read and he's coming off an injury I think realistically he's going to be a day two pick but that isn't necessarily a bad thing because if a quarterback like him can sit for a year and learn from an experienced quarterback I think that can do a quarterback like him wonders and so Hendon Hooker is my number five. Number four, Anthony Richardson, quarterback for the Florida Gators. Now, Richardson is definitely an interesting prospect because he is the textbook example of a raw prospect coming into the NFL. He has been at Florida for three years. However, he's only truly gotten the chance to start this season. He threw for 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Um, he had a 54% completion rate and about a 2600 yard passing total his upside on rushing is really strong he had over 100 rushing attempts for 654 yards and nine touchdowns and i think that anthony richardson really does have a lot of the like raw talent that you want to be able to see in terms of a strong arm uh, and in terms of rushing upside he's a freakish athlete and so what that means is that he generally tends to rely on his raw physical abilities Um, Which you can uh, time and time again get away with in college. But when you go to the NFL, where we're talking about like the top half percent of NFL players, everybody is freakishly athletic. So if you don't have the fundamentals in place in order to augment your athleticism, we're seeing this with Justin Fields, um, you know, if you don't have that ability, you're going to struggle until you have the fundamentals and then the athleticism can really push you over to the next level. Let's take a look at some of the uh, advanced statistics for Anthony Richardson. So Richardson has almost a 27% rush yard share for his offense, meaning that he Counts for more than a quarter of his team's rushing total, hence the rushing upside freakish athleticism that I was talking about. He has a middling uh, adjusted yards per attempt at 7.6. That puts him in the 31st percentile, which is not good. For those of you who don't understand percentiles, um, you can think that he's in the 31st percentile worst percent of the people uh, of the quarterbacks that are that are capable uh, of being evaluated for this statistic um, which again really just highlights you know his 54 percent completion rate he has some maturing to do when it comes to his passing ability his epa per play is in the 70th percentile at 0.42 and i think that this is really highlighting the fact that his rushing upside is really really strong but his passing ability is so poor right now that there is is uh, it it drastically impacts the plus that you can get from his rushing upside. And then he had a 72 overall QBR, which is in the 45th percentile. Pretty much average. I don't really like a lot of the raw stats that I'm seeing for Anthony Richardson, but what I want to see and what I keep hearing across the NFL world is that Anthony Richardson is a quarterback that can really develop into a monster quarterback in the NFL. So let's take a look at the pros that we have with Anthony, Anthony Richardson. So he is a absolutely bruising runner, right? When he runs the ball, defenders feel pain. He is a bruiser of a runner. He reminds you of a lot of Tim Tebow like running. And when he throws, uh, sorry, when he runs, he also has the speed to be able to get around and to really break open uh, a game when there is so much open space in front of him because he can just hit that next gear. His arm strength is absolutely impeccable and he's able to drive the ball down the field with little to no effort. And I think that this is really interesting for us to evaluate because he is able to fit the ball into really tight windows. But when we take a look like take a look at a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, immediately I know that people are gonna go, Josh Allen, ah, Josh Allen was just like this. And what we need to understand about a quarterback like Josh Allen is that of, I I did a a video on this some time ago, where the number of quarterbacks that in college never proceeded to pass for more than 60% completion rate ever, um, only Josh Allen and one other quarterback ended up ever performing decently in the NFL. That's not to say that it can't happen, but statistically speaking, it's just not likely that Anthony Richardson can become that. But still, there is just so much faith in you know, being able to develop quarterbacks now and and NFL teams taking that route compared to before Josh Allen, the upside is so strong that I can see a team like even Green Bay, if they really wanted to, uh, taking Anthony Richardson, keeping him, uh, you know, in in their QB room for a year or two and really trying to develop and, and hone in the raw potential that this quarterback has to be able to be an effective quarterback in the NFL. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson's trajectory. This guy was a pure rusher when he was you know, in college and that was really what he needed to, to do in order to really kick ass in college. But then he came to the NFL and for those of you who remember his rookie season, uh, it was not pretty because he didn't have that good passing ability. Then the next season, he won the MVP because he brought that passing ability to the next level. And now that we're in, I think, year five of having Lamar Jackson in the NFL, his passing ability has increased every single year. Most people uh, think about Lamar Jackson as a rusher, which 100% he's an elite talent when it comes to rushing. but. Now, as a quarterback, his passing ability has gotten good enough where it doesn't really matter what he does, he's going to be able to find a way to beat you, and NFL defenses have to pick their poison. The goal is for a quarterback like Anthony Richardson to be able to develop his skills to that point, but as of right now, he still remains a project, which means that he's a risk. Because of that, he's a number four. Number three on my list, Will Levis, quarterback for the Kentucky Wildcats. You've probably been hearing Will Levis' name since the start of this season because, well, NFL media always needs at least three people in the quarterback conversation because, well, what is a draft if there isn't a lot of hot quarterback topics? Uh, just take a look at 2022 when people just couldn't stop talking about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. And let's be honest, both of them are okay or below average Um, and that's where the entire media cycle took us. At least that was my perspective for a very long time until I started looking into the stats for Will Levis this past season. Now there were national championship aspirations for Will Levis but he didn't end up performing to that level with Kentucky. However his stats are still quite impressive He was at Penn State for two years before he transferred to Kentucky. And last year, he completed 66% of his passes for 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. This season, he threw for about 65% completion rate, 2,400 yards, uh, 19 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Now, what I'd like to bring up about Will Levis is that people really like the fact that he runs a pro-style offense. So, there's not as much guessing game as you might see with a Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Because what you're seeing with Will Levis is the quarterback that he will probably be in the NFL. Now, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions isn't really that impressive in that vein. However, for most quarterbacks in the NFL to come in with this type of performance, um, I I think there is hope and there is a desire that, you know, hey, he's demonstrated some ability and I, an offensive guru, will be able to uh, refine his skills so that he does have a positive impact for us in the NFL. Now, will Will Levis be able to do this in the NFL? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, again, he fits this prototypical mold for NFL quarterbacks where he's big and he's strong and he's got a big arm and, you know, he claims that he can throw 80 yards downfield and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think that what... NFL quarterbacks are evaluated on a lot of the time is what is your ability to like throw an out route what is your ability to get the ball outside of the hashes to the sidelines because a lot of quarterbacks struggle with that and that's where you can get a lot of easy open field picks as a defense uh, and then ultimately you know uh, shorten the game because you are just forcing turnovers left and right. He has a little bit of wiggle to him as well, as I mentioned through those stats, and that really can help you out when you need to run like a sweep or a counter or a quarterback power, uh, or you need to be able to wiggle your way out of some blitzes or some pressure. He's no Bryce Young when it comes to that ability, but he does have the ability to um, sift around in the pocket and make some plays on his legs. I think something that NFL teams are really concerned about with Will Levis is his performance under pressure. When he's not pressured, like most quarterbacks, he performs fine. But the moment that he's pressured, you will see that a lot of his mechanics will loosen because he will get hurried, he will get flustered, and he'll, make to- he'll want to make sure that the ball gets out of his hands as fast as he can. Um, In order for him to be an effective NFL quarterback, he's going to need to improve his ability to sense pressure and to be able to move within the pocket without leaving. Um, And a lot of the times he will just end up bailing um, and and running off to his uh, dominant side, his right side. And that can end up being a tendency that NFL teams can very quickly develop because if they know that you are going to uh, bail when you see pressure, very often you'll see teams uh, run a, a blitz from your blind side Side and then provide uh, drop backs into the, into the flat or into the zone on the right side uh, so that it's difficult for them, that quarterback to, to escape because, well, what's going to happen if you run to your right and someone's chasing you? You have to keep going right. There's no turning back around. And he's not fast or adept enough like a Lamar Jackson uh, or an Anthony Richardson to be able to get out of that. And so when we see, you know, his anticipation and his uh, wiggle when it comes to pressure being something that is concerning um i think that again like most of the quarterbacks on this list there is a need for refinement but he does demonstrate more of that ability in a pro style offense that tends to make nfl teams believe that he can perform well enough when he comes to the nfl I think that if he is able to improve that accuracy and he's able to use his arm strength to his advantage while staying in the pocket, there's a lot of hope for Will Levis becoming an average starter in the NFL, Uh, you know, and, and that's pretty much as good as you can hope that a quarterback can become. Anything beyond that is just cherries on top. Number two on my list? quarterback CJ Stroud of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Stroud started for the Ohio State Buckeyes starting last season, struggled a little bit, and then came on strong. This year, he led the Ohio State Buckeyes to an undefeated first few games and then lost pretty convincingly to Michigan in the final game of the season. All things said, Stroud has had a pretty magnificent two years at Ohio State, and his stats really do demonstrate that. In 2021, he threw for a 72% completion rate, 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. This year, those numbers have gone down slightly to 66% completion rate, uh, 3,300 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. There isn't a lot of rushing upside for CJ Stroud. However, overall, as a passer, he is quite effective from the pocket. Now, I'd like to go into the advanced analytics around CJ Stroud. So this season, Stroud is at a uh, 3.4% rush yard share, uh, which is evidenced by me mentioning that he's not much of a rushing threat. Um, He's in the 48th percentile of quarterbacks, but that's okay, that's not really part of his game. He has an adjusted yards per attempt of 11.4, which is in the 91st percentile of all quarterbacks. He has an EPA per play of 0.55, which is in the 89th percentile of quarterbacks, and a QBR of 90, which is in the 95th percentile of quarterbacks. I think overall, you can see through these advanced metrics that C.J. Stroud is an effective passer, not much of a rusher, but is going to be able to provide you a pretty good floor when it comes to passing ability and operating in offense. Stroud has pretty good size, he's 6'3", almost 220, um, and has demonstrated an ability and a feel to throw from the pocket pretty consistently. Again, as his stats show, he's not much of a rusher, um, and he doesn't really use his feet that much, but he does have the ability to navigate, uh, you know, within the pocket itself, and his feet are okay with that. Um, He is in pretty good command of his offense. I mean, many times if you watch a Buckeyes game, uh, he is setting protections, he's hot routing, he's, uh, you know, calling audibles, and overall that shows that he is thinking about the game from a next level, and he is thinking about... uh, Uh, how the defense that he's looking at is going to be impacting the play that is drawn up, which is really good signs for a quarterback coming into the NFL. Now, he does run from a bit of a spread system in Ryan Day's offense. And so a lot of those uh, problems that we had, those concerns that we had about Hendon Hooker also come here for CJ Stroud. Um, however, because C.J. Stroud does uh, have such an outsized impact passing, uh, I think a lot of teams do feel like there's a lot of capability there um, that you know it shows that C.J. Stroud has capability coming into the NFL. His footwork in the pocket is a bit inconsistent and so while he is able to meander and kind of navigate the pocket as he needs to what you'll end up seeing is that he's really like on you know his uh on his toes you know he's on the balls of his feet he's uh got kind of like an irregular motion to him and so what you'll end up seeing happen is that in some games this will drastically affect him because the amount of time that it will take for him to drop back and be ready to read the defense or be able to to uh, deliver the ball consistently, uh, that can change. If you look at his game against Maryland the week before Michigan, that game was kind of close because he was playing a little sus and that all had to do with his footwork. CJ Stroud really needs to do a better job of tightening up his mechanics around throwing because he can't rely on his rushing game right now. And so if his footwork is inconsistent and his arm isn't as good as these other quarterbacks, but he you know, is inconsistent in that realm, there is a cause for concern. And so if you have one area that you are really relying on for your game, you need to be able to tighten that up. And CJ Stroud needs to do that in the NFL. Uh, And and that brings a lot of concern for NFL teams uh, and are in hope that he'll be able to work on that uh, come his rookie season. I also want to surface the stat that I saw on Twitter the other day, which also raises a level of concern for me. So when CJ Stroud is in the pocket and he isn't pressured, he has a 75% completion rate, a 10.6 yard per attempt, and a 95 overall QBR cool. That is more or less in line with what we expected. But then when CJ Stroud is out of the pocket and he's pressured, uh, he has a 46% completion rate, a 5.2 yards per attempt, and a 33 overall QBR. I think what this really shows is that, again, he has the skills of navigating himself through the pocket uh, when there is pressure. However, when he's out of the pocket and he's pressured, there is concern. And so CJ Stroud really does have this variability where we are concerned is he going to be able to handle not having everything comfortable for him? Because if teams know that all you got to do is get him out of the pocket and then his quarterback rating drops where he really doesn't perform, that is something that teams are going to exploit. And I think that when we're looking at CJ Stroud, that combined with his lack of rushing ability really makes him a level two quarterback for me in this list, and that's why he's not number one. And that brings me to number one on my list, Bryce Young, quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Bryce Young has been the favorite for the number one overall quarterback in the 2023 class for the better part of two years. And well, as you can see through his performance in the last couple of years, you can see all of the intangibles that he brings to the NFL uh, and that a team is going to be lucky to have. He has a lot of moxie. He has the ability to throw the ball off platform. He has the ability to throw the ball in unconventional angles. He has a toughness and a wiggle that allows him to make a lot of plays and overall, is demonstrated in the stats that he puts up. Since Mac Jones left for the NFL, in 2021, Bryce Young has a 67% completion rate, almost 5,000 passing yards, 47 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Phenomenal numbers. Had uh, Alabama in position to win the national championship last year until Georgia came all the way back uh, in, in, in the final quarter. This year, he's lost many, many starters to the NFL, and yet, He still has put up pretty decent numbers. Granted, they're not what they were last year. He still has a 64% completion rate, threw for 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. This year, he relied a little bit more on his legs, rushing for almost 200 yards and 4 touchdowns. I think overall, what I really like about Bryce Young and what a lot of teams are looking at him as the number one overall uh, prospect for is his playmaking ability. The fact that Bryce Young is able to get out of sacks, is able to extend the play, and is able to get the ball downfield when there's really nothing open, uh, and, and is able to run four extra yards, is able to provide his team a couple extra opportunities on every single play, that playmaking ability is exactly what a team is looking for, like the Houston Texans or some other team that would draft him high up. because. When you don't have everything going really well for you, there needs to be the opportunity for that quarterback to provide and create plays just like you saw Joe Burrow do or just like you see Josh Allen do or just like you see Patrick Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence do and Bryce Young while he is a bit undersized he's just six foot and 194 pounds I think Bryce Young really does bring that ability to the NFL where teams are going to be looking for a guy who can make other people around him better and give guys on his team the ability to make a play and Bryce Young if there is one thing that I would use to describe him, it would be Playmaker. His advanced stats are a little bit down this year, given the fact that his supporting cast has, you know, decreased with John Mechie leaving and Jamison Williams leaving. Um, And, and, you know, that is not to say that, you know, we're just kind of looking that over. But when you look at what he is doing and what he did last year with an outsized cast, um, I feel really strongly that Bryce Young is very clearly the number one quarterback in this draft class. So he has a 6.7% rush yard share, which really is indicating to me that he doesn't rush. That's not something that he does. But really where his mobility and his legs uh, come into the equation is when the play breaks down and you have to go off script, he's able to, behind the line of scrimmage, extend the play, like I mentioned before. He has a nine uh, yard uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which is uh, just in the 69th percentile, Um, but last year it was much higher. This year he has a 0.39 EPA per play and an 80 overall QBR. So all of those stats don't match up with CJ Stroud, but this is really where for me as an analyst, taking a look at what I'm seeing on the screen and what he's able to do given the surrounding cast uh, and given the talent around him, I feel more comfortable with Bryce Young as my quarterback than I do CJ Stroud. Because with CJ Stroud, you have so much stuff around him that is phenomenal and exceptional and is really like the reason that uh, Ohio State is such a factory with JSN for, you know, just the first game, or Marvin Harrison Jr., or um, uh, Emeka Abuka, or, um, you know, you you just have a a selection of riches with uh, Ohio State that this year, I just strictly don't think Alabama has. And that was reflected in their potency and their ability to really, like, dominate this year. Um, They, all of their success this year, and the reason that they won close games, was because of Bryce Young. And When Bryce Young did not have a good game, say the LSU game where his passing completion average, sorry, his uh, completion rating dropped below 50%, Bryce Young was the reason that that offense was not in position to win like he normally would. And so he's demonstrated the ability to really take on the weight for his team's offense uh, and, and be able to carry that to a point where this team is in position to win the game. And really, that is what an NFL team is looking for. He has the most uh, passing output on plays uh, that were outside of the pocket after scrambling. Uh, This season, uh, he has the most uh, passing yards in that situation at 565, 10 touchdowns and 52 touchdowns. Um, And I think that this is really just uh, underscoring the point that I keep making here, that his playmaking ability and his ability to do things off script is the reason why an NFL team would want to draft him so high. One of the only like criticisms that I hear about Bryce Young are his undersizedness, which is something that we really can't control for, but we also know is not inherently a reason why a quarterback won't succeed in the NFL. Um, if you look at Russ, you know, in the NFL, his compensation for his size was his ability to run. And the moment that he removed that from his skill set this past season, you could see how that has impacted Russ's effectiveness due to his size. Again, because of the playmaking that uh, playmaking ability that Bryce Young has, I'm not really concerned about his size. And the other aspect of it is that um, the criticisms that I'm reading about Bryce Young have to do with uh, his his reluctance to just let it rip. Uh, he has the arm strength and has demonstrated the ability to throw the ball 50, 60 yards down the field. Um, but the reason that he doesn't do it that often is because he's concerned about uh, making sure that the pass reaches the, the receiver with the perfect type of velocity or making sure that he can throw his fastball and his off-speed pitches in the right place. I think a lot of this will have to just be worked out in the NFL. No prospect comes into the NFL perfect, um, but given all of the quarterbacks that we've outlined in this video, I think Bryce Young comes into the NFL the most ready to start and carry a team, and so that's why he's my number one. And so with that, you can see that there are a plethora of question marks and prospects and potential in this NFL draft class. And 2023 should be a pretty exciting quarterback draft class compared to 2022. I think that there is a lot of opportunity here for um, teams to take in a quarterback and develop someone who will have a really, really big impact in the future years. And I'm really excited to see what happens in this NFL draft because you have teams like Chicago who don't need a quarterback with a top three pick and teams like Seattle and Indianapolis kind of creeping their way up there who could very easily take a quarterback. And so there's a lot of mystery and fun for us to uncover in the upcoming couple of months. Make sure to like and subscribe to the breakout. We really, really love your support. Make sure to comment below who do you think is the number one prospect in this draft class? Do you agree with my analysis or do you feel like there's someone that I'm missing? Make sure to hit me up on Twitter at Gupta. And of course, stay warm out there, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching today's video. Make sure to like and subscribe to The Breakout so you don't miss more NFL content about the draft, upcoming player prospects, trades, free agency, and everything that you love about the NFL.